more. Hey there, I'm Christine, and I'm so excited to welcome you to the Equip and Empower podcast. Now, my prayer is that our time together each week encourages you, awakens you to the purposes of God in your life, and activates you to follow Jesus wholeheartedly as you live on mission for Him. I'm so grateful that you have joined us today. I believe that you have tuned into this program precisely at the timing of God in the plan and the purpose of God. And the Holy Spirit is gonna speak to you today. I'm fired up about today's message. We're going to the book of 1 Corinthians. You've got to know, I live in Southern California, so we kind of think that 1 Corinthians could be called 1 Californians. Uh, We joke about that a lot because what we're going to find is that the same issues that Paul was addressing in this epistle are alive and well right here today and probably right where you are. Often people say, and I hear it a lot as I travel, people like, Chris, we just need to go back to the New Testament church. We just need to, and I'm like, go back to which New Testament church? Have you seen all of the cray cray things that were happening in the New Testament churches? Now, listen. The people of Corinth, and and I love Corinth. Of course, I love all things Greek. We know that. And my mother used to frequently remind me that my grandfather was very part of the team that built the isthmus right there, that channel in the midst of Corinth that allowed ships, instead of having to go right round the bottom of Greece and come back up to be able to cut across and it saved days and days and days of travel. And my mother is always proud that my grandfather actually was on the construction team that helped to construct that modern day wonder. It's pretty amazing. So of course, I feel very connected every time we go to one of the books written to one of the Greek churches. Now, the Corinthians and the city of Corinth, it was very much like most major cities around the world today. The people in Corinth were were intellectual, they were rich, uh, definitely over-sexualized, very image-focused. And this was like before social media. There was no Instagram then, but they were very, very image-focused and very power hungry. And like me, you might be thinking like, what is new? This literally sounds like the world in the 21st century. And often that's what I want to say to you. The the writer to the Ecclesiastes says, there's nothing new under the sun. And we find, this is why I love this book. This book is timeless and timely. The words of God are eternal and faithful. This is the authoritative Word of God, but you open this Scripture and you go, Lord, this could have been written to me in my situation, in my city, right at this moment. And I'm saying, yes, that is the power of the eternal Word of God. Uh, We're in really good company. I know as a lot of us are feeling anxious about what's happening in the world today, and we're seeing the shifting landscape, and we're seeing the change in morality and the change in every sphere of society. A lot of us, and and if you have children or care about the next generation, you can start to get really stressed out thinking, is God speaking? Does God care about our world at all? And so at the end of the day, we're going to see that many of the issues that Paul talks to the Corinthians about were relevant to them and it's as relevant to us today. And basically what I love about 1 Corinthians, it's practically, it's a book. It's very, very practical. And that's what I love about the Scripture. And it teaches us how to solve problems in the church. Now, I don't know about you, but I know that I need some wisdom and some advice on on how to exactly navigate some of the 
the challenges, the chaos, the divisions and the confusions that many of us are confronting in the church today all over the world. So we're going to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1 to 9. And it says, Paul called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes. I love this. He says, called by the will of God. He didn't just put himself there. Paul was called by God's will to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given to you in Christ Jesus. I love this. He's starting full of faith. He says that in every way you are enriched in Him in all speech, and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed about you, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. I love this. Paul wrote this letter to the Corinthians from Ephesus. He was over in Ephesus and he had heard about the divisions and the arguments and the problems that they were having in the Corinthian church. It doesn't sound like anything today, does it? And he decided that he was going to write a letter to them as a father in the faith, as an apostle. So Paul starts this letter. Now we know this is going to be a letter of correction. So this is great for parents. This is great for any leaders. This is great for anyone that has to have maybe a difficult conversation with someone else. But he starts, Paul shows us when he starts this letter of correction with a really positive tone. I mean, the fact is that he's grace-filled and he speaks to who they are in Christ before He challenges their behaviour. I I know often even with my own girls, I'm gonna speak to their potential. I'm gonna speak to their purpose. I'm gonna speak to their identity before I bring correction and challenge them. A lot of us can can learn, I think, a lot about, you know, from Paul's posture and his tone, from, from this very greeting. And sometimes I... I scroll through social media and man, it is full in this day and age of of people correcting people and people calling other people out. But, But you see that the motivation is not love. And there seems to be so much arguing. There seems to be so much divisiveness. And, and it is so bad for our witness as Jesus followers on the earth. So Paul reminds the Corinthians, hey, he states, you're the sanctified. You are saints in Christ. And let's be honest. We're about to find out that the Corinthians are not acting like sanctified saints. So he lets them know that he's praying for them constantly. And and we know that Paul loves this church because he planted this church and he spent 18 whole months with them. We we read that in the book of Acts chapter 18. So so he obviously loves the Corinthian church. It's It's his baby. His motivation in correcting this church is love. You know, as a a parent, I have to correct my kids every now and again. And, you know, when they were younger, more now than again. But anyway, and and it's part of being a good parent. But my motivation must always be one of love and not anger. I must be committed to their flourishing in life and, and never trying to shame or condemn them. I think we can learn a lot about that in our culture right there. You know, it's so much easier to receive correction and advice when we know that the person that's giving that advice to us actually really does care about us and that they are for us and not against us and they want us to thrive and flourish in life and fulfil our potential. And so the fact is in the world in which you and I live, everyone's got the microphone. 
But we've got to ensure that our desire is to call people up higher, not simply to call them out, but to call people up and to lift them higher. We want people to fulfil their God-given purpose. We want to become and we want people to become all that God wants them to become and we want them to do all that God's called them to do so we don't keep pressing people down and we don't keep speaking fear and doubt and negativity. We call people up higher into the purposes of God. So imagine if we spoke to people's potential before we spoke to their mistakes and their failures. Imagine if our tone and our posture was kindness and gentleness, like the Apostle Paul's was in this epistle, and it was full of love and it was full of grace. Then the people in, in our sphere of influence, in our home, in our community, in our workplaces, they, they so desperately need to see the love of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, the forgiveness of God. I think it's a, an effective witnessing tool when we can lead out in grace and mercy and speak to people's potential. You know, every person on the planet, we all wanna be seen and we wanna be known and we want to be valued and we want to be esteemed. Every one of us wants to be treated with dignity and with respect. You know, in our own interactions, we have to ensure that we're loving towards one another more than we want to be right. I think sometimes we excuse our tone and our posture and our language because we wanna be right more than we wanna be loving. And yet the Bible tells us that we need to do all things in love. And without love, all the other stuff, it's just a clanging symbol. It's just a, a, a noisy gong. And we're gonna continue to go on in this passage. I love this because we learn so much about the way that the Apostle Paul does this. He goes on in verse 10, he says, I appeal to you brothers by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you. Okay, that's intense. But that you are united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people. Thank you, Chloe's people. We love Chloe's people. That there is quarrelling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul or I follow Apollos or I follow Cephas or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you or were you baptised in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptised none of you except Crispus and Gaius so that no one may say that you were baptised in my name. I did baptise also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptised anyone else for Christ did not send me to baptise but to preach the gospel and not with mere words and not with words of eloquent wisdom lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. You know, whew, Paul writes some strong words. He's come out of an exhortation of grace and love, speaks to their potential. And now he gets right to it in verse 10. He starts with the word now. <laughs> Can I just say that my kids know when I get to a now? we're down to serious business. I could be saying a whole lot of things and when I'm like, now, Catherine Bobby, we know that there's serious business to be addressed. So the first issue that Paul addresses in this letter is the issue of unity because unity is so important to God. And it's so important to the mission of the church. I mean, in, in John 17, verse 20, 21, you know, John wrote, I, I pray not only, Jesus says, for these, but also for those who believe in me through their word, may they all be one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. 
Psalm 133 verse 1 to 3, how delightfully good when brothers live together in harmony. It's like fine oil on the head running down from Aaron's beard onto his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon falling on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has appointed the blessing life forevermore. Man, unity is so important to God. And the enemy uses disunity to divide and to conquer. If he can separate and isolate us, then he can take people out. A unified church is a powerful church and it reflects the glory of God. You know, the last five or six years and especially the last couple of years, there have been divisions about so many things just all over the world. I mean, pick your topic, politics, economics, morality or, you know, vaccinations or masks or race. It's literally been tearing churches, families and communities apart. And to be honest, I think we're just exhausted and we're demoralised. I literally know people that have not spoken to their families and, and missed major holidays because of arguments and different opinions over issues that are not even going to last. You know, do you realise how much this destroys our witness as a church? Jesus said that they will know that we are His disciples by our love for one another. I want to remind you today that Jesus is the name that unites us regardless of our political affiliations, our, our race, our socioeconomic background, our, our nationality or our gender. There is only one name that is above every other name and that is the name of Jesus. Our world needs unity today more than ever. It is so divided. It is so contentious. And the, the question today is, are we showing the way of Jesus in our world? Are we representing Jesus in, in our social media posts, in our conversations, in our interactions one with the other? Are we as Jesus followers showing people that there is a higher way? And you know, it, in this text right here, it actually blows me away that before there was ever social media, there was rivalry about who followed what Preacher, I mean, that, that just blows me away. You and I, we talk a lot about celebrity preachers, but this is not a new thing. In verse 12, Paul says, listen, some of you follow Apollos and, and some of you, he goes on, he gives reasons why people were drawn to the various preachers. You know, some say, I am of Paul. Well, people wanted to follow Paul because Paul planted, obviously, this church and, and he was an apostle and he had the courage to break away from Jewish tradition and to be a Jesus follower. Like he was, he was worth following to these people because of his courage and his strength and his wisdom. And, and then Peter, you know, some say, I follow Peter. Well, he actually walked with Jesus and he was edgy and a little bit outspoken and people would have really resonated with him. So they were like, man, I'm drawn to that. Other people are, I'm drawn to Apollos. And we know that Apollos was an eloquent man and he was competent in teaching the Scriptures. We read that in Acts 18, 24. So people loved his teaching and they loved his revelation. And Jesus, others were like, you know, and we followers of Jesus. Listen, there's always the self-righteous elite group that says, man, we, we just follow Jesus, nothing else. I'm like, we don't need anybody else. And I always smile when people say that because God actually did give us teachers and pastors and prophets and evangelists and apostles. So we actually do need each other. But it's so important that we as Jesus followers don't get seduced by the culture of this world. We, we want diversity in the church and, and we need it. 
But I want to emphasise that diversity is not divisiveness. We should not be comparing and competing with each other. And we're one body with many parts and we need every single part to thrive and to flourish. So don't get sidetracked from our mission to go into all of the world and to make disciples by becoming consumed with likes and followers. Listen, are we following Jesus? Are we becoming like Him? You know, Paul says in verse 13 that Christ is the centre of everything. I want to remind every one of us that Jesus is the one who was crucified on our behalf. He is the one who took our sin upon His shoulders. He is the one who suffered the wrath of God so that we would not have to. He is the one who conquered death and and rose from the grave. He is the one who ascended into heaven. He is the one that is sitting at the right hand of the Father. He is the one that is coming back again. When we are baptised, we are baptised into the name of Jesus, not into anyone else's name, no leader's name, no denomination's name, no celebrity influencer's name. We are baptised in one name, the name of Jesus Christ. Christ in the name of the Father and of the Son and of Jesus Christ. You and I are followers of Jesus. We practice the way of Jesus. And in this passage, it's clear that Paul did not want to encourage factionalism, not at all. He didn't want to hold loyalty to himself. We, we can't elevate people in our lives in the place of God. Only God is God and the rest of us are human beings. And so he goes on and he says, you know what? I didn't come with eloquent words. And we read that in verse 17 that that Paul himself, we know he's a learned man, but he didn't flaunt his intellect and he wanted the cross of Christ to do the talking. And I have to ask, in this era, man, where there are so many disputes and different doctrinal disputes and cultural disputes and, you know, arguing, can I just say, arguing is just not going to cut it. The cross still seems foolishness to those people that are perishing in the 21st century, just like it did in the first century. People will wonder, why do we worship a God that sent His Son to die on a cross? People wonder why, why do we even need saving? This is not a new thing. This has been here from the start. The cross seems to be foolishness to the Jews who expected a powerful Messiah to come. You know, the the cross seemed like weakness. It it didn't seem like strength to them. The cross seemed like foolishness to the Greeks who valued wisdom and reason and debate. I, I still see that in my family today. It appeared nonsense to them that God would choose to redeem this entire world in this way by a crucified Messiah. In the natural, it seems nonsensical to our world today. So if we get divided over all the the secondary issues, we, we will not preach the primary issue. Christ crucified, buried, resurrected, ascended and returning. What unites us is the saving work of Jesus Christ on the cross. We are better together because we have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Let's never forget that what unites us is way greater than anything that we might disagree on. And finally, Paul just goes on and he reminds the Corinthians that God has always used really, really unlikely people with an unlikely message. He goes on and I love this part right here. He says, where is the one who is wise? 
Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made the foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles. But to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God for the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling brothers, not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful, not many were of noble birth, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not to bring nothing, things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of Him, you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Wow, not many wise, not many powerful or of a noble birth. Jesus chose 12 very unlikely apostles. Jesus had very unlikely women who traveled with him and were the first to proclaim the resurrection. Jesus had unlikely lepers that he healed and blind people that he healed. And, and these unlikely people declared who he was. He had an unlikely Samaritan woman who was the first evangelist in the scriptures. He, he took this unnamed, unwanted, abused, adopted chick from the back of Sydney, Australia and saved me and redeemed me and healed me and restored me and not only rescued me, but now allows me the privilege of rescuing others that are trapped in human trafficking around the world. God has always used highly unlikely people in highly unlikely places to do highly unlikely things. Listen, you might not feel qualified, you might not feel worthy, but God has always used unlikely people. Paul reminds us that nobody should boast. Listen, he's talking to wealthy, highly educated intellectuals and he says that Jesus did it all. Righteousness, sanctification, redemption. The only thing that you and I can boast of is that God has been good to us. So let's stay humble. Let's stay grateful. Together we are a unified body. Let's do what God has put us on this earth to do. Let's do it together. We're better together and let's do it for the glory of God in Jesus' Name. Hey, thanks for listening. We really hope today's message has encouraged you. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. For links and more, you can go to christinecane.com. We'll see you next time.